Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK. From Tamstinson all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. The Dennis Dillon Welcome to the Run the Marin County, that is the Run TMC <laughs> podcast. It is a podcast about basketball. I am Duffy Ballard, and this is my friend Dave Levine. He has a nice coffee by his side, ready to go. What could and, go wrong? And you are joining us for our first ever podcast episode. We are going to call this the pilot. Dave, are you excited for the pilot? I'm very excited. I'm substantially more excited now that I've had some iced coffee. More about diced coffee later, Dave. Uh, for now, let's jump into the question that I'm sure the dozens of listeners, perhaps half dozen, are wondering, what is the Run TMC podcast? Why are we recording it? And who do we think will listen to it? All right. Well, first of all, we need to start with, so this is the Run, the Marin County podcast, Run TMC. If you're under the age of, let's say, 35, and you don't know what Run TMC is, I would encourage you to Google it. Um, if you're over the age of 50, you're probably singing Run DMC, but that's not what this is about. Uh, but Run TMC, very important thing for you to understand, youngsters. It's uh, highly relevant to Bay Area basketball. But anyway, the, the Run okay, TMC... let me stop you there. Yeah. This is Marin County, older demographic. Do we need to tell people what Google is or what Googling is? Yeah, go to, go to AOL.com, dial up on AOL. Um, I think we'll be fine. No, we're very tech savvy here in, in Marin. That's true. Okay. So we want this podcast to be entertaining as well as informative and educational. Um, who are we speaking to? What's our target market aside from Duffy's parents, my parents? Um, maybe Duffy has two dogs who are around here somewhere. They're certainly going to listen to this. We're targeting players. So youth players, high schoolers, college players, um, Maybe you graduated college, you want to play pro ball somewhere. Uh, parents of players, particularly on the youth side, we get lots of questions. Duffy and I are both coaches, which we're going to get into. Get lots of questions from parents about their kid wants to start playing basketball. Where do they even begin? How do they navigate this whole world? Um, we're talking to coaches. We're going to nerd out on basketball concepts and talk about um, some great X's and O's. And then we just want to talk to fans and basketball nerds, of which we think there are many out there. Uh, maybe they're, you know, walking their dogs and they're tired of listening to Smart List and they want to listen to some nerdy basketball Marin podcast. Here we are. Something new, something hyper local, something where there's a chance you might even be spoken about at some point if you are somehow related to basketball in Marin County. Absolutely. I mean, we have a rich tradition of basketball here in Marin. Uh, I don't think people appreciate how great the history is of, of basketball in this county. And we talk about this with our, our first guest, who we will get to later, but we, we touch on this later in the podcast. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, you know, there, were, there was a summer league in, at Drake High that players from all over Northern California would come and play in that league. It was the Mecca. Um, and to, to this day, Marin has a great basketball tradition. We have really strong players, great coaches, it's, a, it's an awesome place for basketball, and so we want to celebrate that and embrace it and teach people about it. Yeah, and look, we had two local kids that were in the Final Four in the final game of the NCAA championship this year. Unbelievable. Joey Calcaterra 
and uh, Darian Trammell, amazing. Great players. Okay, Dave, what makes us qualified to host this podcast? Why are we doing this? What are our backgrounds? We're not going to go into a lot of detail here because our mothers might be interested in that, but probably no one else. But you know, give us the, the high-arching uh, overview of why we're doing this. Yep. Why are we qualified? Are we qualified? Yeah, aside from staying at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Again, those of you under 35, you can Google that one. Um, so I'll talk about myself quickly because we don't want to drone on and on about our backgrounds, but Duff and I are, are alike in many ways. Um, I grew up in Marin. I uh, went to Branson, played basketball at Branson for Jonas Honick, a legendary coach. Was on a very good team at Branson. I was a firmly average player, but I loved it. Uh, went to college at Stanford. When I was at Stanford, I was the practice player and student manager for the women's team, learning and playing under Tara Vanderveer. I was at practice every day, traveled on road trips, sat on the bench during games, have two Final Four rings. And since college, I've got a day job. I've been working in finance and corporate development for almost 30 years. But I've also been coaching a lot, um, youth coaching, high school, even junior college for a year. And I'm currently the assistant varsity girls coach at San Domenico with uh, a guy named Mike Fulton, who we're going to get to later. So um, I feel like I'm, I'm eminently qualified, Duff, to talk about Marin basketball. How about you? I think you're probably more qualified than I am, but I do have Marin roots. I grew up here in Marin County and went to Marin Academy, played for Mike Fulton's dad, Larry Fulton, as well as Mike Fulton as an assistant. And then I went back east to Haverford College. And Dave, did you know that our team at Haverford College got written up in Sports Illustrated? I assume it was for something amazing. You guys went on a massive winning streak or set a scoring record, right, Duff? It was a streak. Yes, there was a streak of some sort. Yes, we got written up, Dave, for a 40-game losing streak, and essentially the whole article uh, was about our coach, who had been a psychology major, and how he dealt with the psychology of having a team that had lost 40 games in a row. Uh, I was part of breaking that streak, and then we became, Dave, a, a very highly average team after that. But I did make some great friends, really my best friends uh, in, in my life through that experience. So. Lesson number one, basketball brings people together. It's bringing you and I together for this podcast. And it's one of the motivations for being involved. Uh, for me personally, with something like this, is getting to talk to people who love basketball and just think about basketball, which you and I were on text chains where we're sending around plays, we're sending around clips, and it's just a lot of our waking hours are spent thinking about basketball, aren't they, Dave? Absolutely. And, you know, they say losing builds character, so that explains why you have such a massive amount of character, I guess. Yes, that, that and my mother and my father. Indeed, indeed. Okay, we're going to break now. Dave, it's time to talk, to, uh, talk about our sponsors. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors. By the way, we don't have any sponsors have currently, any sponsors. not yet. Uh, but we are developing a package, and it's pretty clever. We're going to have different levels of sponsorship that will correlate to time on the air here on the podcast, as well as content on our website. And uh, so you might have the layup, uh, Dave. You might be going for just a small opportunity, maybe a 15-second segment, or the mid-range, or go beyond the arc. Uh, we even have the full-court press. And we, what else? We also have a Take the Charge, which was uh, a new one that we came up with, uh, thought was clever. You could put it on the credit card. Right. We think you can. We're working on that as we well. We don't know right? if we accept credit cards, but let's just pretend. Cha-ching. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the structure of the podcast this podcast, we intend uh, to run run TMC podcast through the uh, fall season, fall winter basketball season. And every episode, we're going to start 
Dave and I are going to talk talk a little bit. We're going to talk about hoops uh, and youth and high school games in the county game reports, previews, standout players, and more. Uh, and then we'll have a feature interview with, with a person or persons of note in Marin County uh, basketball. And Dave, we already talked about Mike Fulton, but give us some other examples. And perhaps we're even you know soliciting guests now. Yeah, I mean, we'd like to have a good cross-section of, of players, coaches, um, individuals involved in Marin basketball from going back 20, 30 years. People like Legends like Buck Chavez or Eddie Joe Chavez or players who played in the in the 70s and 80s, uh, the Bravellis, whoever it is, up to more more current players like, you know, Caden Korst is going to be a guest on our podcast. She, one of the leading scorers in Marin high school history, played at Cal State San Marcos, a fantastic player, just starting her coaching career. She's going to coach at Redwood, the freshman team. So we have a long list of people who we uh, are targeting and who we know who have expressed interest in joining us for this podcast. So we're very excited. Yep, very excited. Okay, Dave, uh, we are going to have some recurring segments in this podcast, and some of them are going to nerd out on basketball a little bit. We will probably have a chalkboard segment. We also are going to have a hoops vocabulary segment every once in a while. And I want to kick that off, Dave, by asking, how many languages do you speak? I speak uh, almost one language almost well. And is that English or basketball? Well, I was, I was thinking English. I guess you're right. I guess I speak almost two languages almost recently. I well. think you speak two. Yeah. Give us an example of a phrase that probably crosses over between your two languages. Yeah. I think well, I know which one you're, talking, you're thinking about here, Dan. Well, this segment came up because I, I'm sure those of you who are the younger players are on social media and you see basketball clips on Instagram. Coaches, certainly, I get my Instagram, Twitter, or X, or whatever we call it, is full of of clips of plays and strategies and different actions. And there's a lot of terminology um, and jargon in basketball, and we don't always know what it means. So we thought it would be useful to, to give our, our fans and listeners um, some insights into some of the jargon. One of the things that is often talked about is the nail, Duff. Um, the nail is on every basketball court to create the half circle um, above the, the free throw line and the dotted semicircle below the free throw line there's a nail right in the middle of the free throw line that they use to make that complete circle. So the nail is right in the middle of the free throw line. And it's a critical part of the basketball court for a number of reasons. A lot of offenses are run through the nail. There's the elbows, right? The two edges of the free throw line, but the nails right in the middle. Also um, analytics will tell you that a lot of offensive rebounds end up landing around there. So you'll see, particularly in college teams will send coaches will have one of their players go directly to the nail on any long shot because long shot, long rebound. So the nail is a good thing for our players to know. And so we thought it would be useful to talk about. And is it a danger that someone hurt themselves if they step on the nail? Dave, you may know that I am also a physician and I do update tetanus shots every once in a while. Is this something we worry about? So good question. Stepping on a nail is not something we want to do. The nail is, is nailed into the ground, Duffy. It is even with the floor. It does not jump out at you. It does not stick out. But I will say, and I think you do this, you do this as well, uh, Duffy, for those of you who don't know, is is probably, I will say, the best shooter in Marin history, um, if not one of them. Um, he's that's, probably a 97% free throw shooter. That's fair. But Duffy and I both line up our free throws. We take our right foot, right toe, and we line it up right behind the nail. That ensures that your right foot, your elbow, your knee, everything is lined up right with the center of the rim. And Dave, we should mention you are an amazing shooter as well. I'm a decent free throw shooter. 
93, 94 out of 100? Something like that. But yeah. if you guard me, I'm about a 12% shooter. So let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, that was a nail. I've got one for you, Dave. Go. Uh, Velcro. And this is in the setting of a screen, like a Velcro screen. So it could go either way. Either you could brag, I, I went and set that screen, I really Velcroed that guy mm. on that ball screen. Or, for example, if someone got you, it could be like, hey, Looney got me good on that one. I got Velcroed, and they scored a layup. Not fun to get Velcroed. Love it. That's good. I mean, the only Velcro that I think of is on my old Ruse shoes. That was the first time I had Velcro. That is good iced coffee, isn't it? It's really good iced coffee, yeah. That's All a good right. one. Thank you for that, Duff. Okay. Well, you're welcome. And it's not 12%. Okay, enough banter, uh, enough iced coffee for now. We're going to jump into an intro to our first ever guest. Uh, this guy is amazing. He's a legend. He's a friend. He has touched both of our lives uh, in many ways. And so it's appropriate that he's our seminal guest on this Run TMC podcast. Dave, can you give us a more and fuller introduction to Coach Mike Fulton. Yeah, and I'll try to be brief because I want to get to this interview because uh, it was a great time to talk to Mike. But um, Mike's dad, Larry Fulton, is a Marin legend. We're going to use the word legend a lot. I don't want to um, wear it out, but um, it's, it's, it's apt when we're talking about both Larry and Mike. Larry, legendary coach in Marin County, coached um, at several high schools through the years, um, including at Marin Academy, where he coached my friend and co-host here, Duffy. Um, Larry's son, Mike, uh, Larry has two sons, Mike and Chris, both fantastic basketball players and coaches. Mike um, went to Drake, was a very good player at Drake, went on to play at College of Marin, and then played college ball at Cal Lutheran in Southern California. He was a fantastic point guard, um, played with energy and intensity, was super fun to watch, inspiring guy to, to play with. I've played with him in adult leagues, and I've seen him play. Mike played his college career with terrible injuries to his knees. He would get shot up with pain meds before playing a game. Um, to this day, you see Mike walk around and he's, he's hobbling on, on very bad knees because he sacrificed his body to play the game that he loves. Um, after he graduated college, he's basically spent his whole life coaching kids. Um, today, we're, we're going to talk a lot about this over the next, um, over the life of our podcast, but... Marin, we're very fortunate to have some amazing skills trainers in Marin. Um, players who, former players who are teaching kids great skills, shooting, dribbling. Mike was doing that 30 years ago with you and me, Duff. Um, we first met at the Fairfax Pavilion 30 years ago um, with Mike and Larry teaching us how to dribble, shoot, do block drills, which we'll get to with Mike. Um, Mike has had an incre incredible high school coaching career. He's won three state titles, two with the Branson girls in the, in the mid-2000s, and then once um, with San Domenico girls two years ago in 2022. I'm currently his assistant coach. We went to the state championship game last year, and we lost by four points in a great game. We're hoping to go back this year. Um, Mike is in the Marin County Basketball Hall of Fame. He's absolutely an amazing human being, a great coach, and we're very fortunate to have had the chance to talk to him. Yeah, this, uh, this was a, a great interview, Dave, and... Uh, a couple of things that was missing. One, colorful language. <laughs> Mike and Larry, uh, both known for their colorful language. I, I recall being told once that I was as slow as a bad crap by Larry. <laughs> uh, and there were many comments about removing one's head from one's asshole if you weren't quite in the game. Yes. Uh, and Mike has, has carried that on. 
but he kept it uh, pretty clean in this interview. But you still get a sense of his personality and his jargon and his vocabulary. It's just, just fun to listen to. Uh, the other thing that's missing is a lightning round. We, we called it a lightning round, Dave, but really it, it didn't really uh, come out like that, did it? Um, it was more like a slow-moving tropical depression um, that took about 20 minutes. So, yeah, the, the best laid plans. We thought it was going to be a lightning round. That's my fault. It turned into a, a long discussion, but still, I think it was fun. You'll enjoy it. Uh, Coach, thank you for the time. It's great Absolutely. To, great to talk with you. So just so you know, we've already given your background to our listeners. So we talked about your illustrious playing and coaching career. Um, so let's start with talking about your playing career. Um, you know, you were a unique player. I've played with you. You were so fun to watch. Can you talk about playing for Drake, playing in college and how kind of your playing career informed how you coach? Absolutely. Uh, well, the star obviously started with my father, right? Um, came out of the womb with a ball in my hands. Um, he was coaching high school at the time, so I was in a gym when I could walk. And um, at the time, my first memory is Marine Catholic, and the side baskets could be lowered. And my brother and I, after practice, he would lower them, and we would have a volley—not a basketball, but a volleyball because it was lighter. Mm -hmm. And he just—we just started chucking up shots when we were like three or four years old, buddy, and then dribbling around. Yeah. And the lower the baskets, and it was easy, so we had success. And and then, as we got older, um, even in third and fourth grade, he would send us to camps, and he would have, whether it was Dan Stewart's camp, it was a phenomenal city coach at Lowell for years. Bobby Drucker would come over from SI. He would always ask that we play two years ahead. Hmm. So. I'm playing third grade, I'm playing fifth grade, fifth grade, I'm playing seventh grade, seventh grade, I'm playing against the ninth, tenth grade. So I I got an opportunity to get better every day. Now, you have to have a, a, some tough skin some days because I got my butt handed to me more than uh, one occasion and tears and all that. And and uh, But when I got to eighth grade, yeah, I could, my brother and I were already ready to play varsity level high school basketball. And, and for our listeners, by the way, Mike, you're not 6'9". No, I'm you're five a, nine and a half, buddy. On a you're an attractive day. man, but you are uh, <laughs> short of stature. Nope. So you're the only one besides my mother that has said that. <laughs> but so you you had to learn how to play against. You always have to deal with playing against guys who are bigger. But then you're playing against bigger and bigger, older, faster, stronger. Yep. But I, I when I got to high school, so as a sophomore, I played on the varsity. I let we let them do a Northern California Championship game, and we won an MCAL championship, right. which was. As you know, my high school career was shortened, so my sophomore year was my unbelievable year because I hit hit a shot at Redwood on a 1980 on a night where the same night that the Russians and USA played in men's hockey. Oh yeah, the men's hockey upset the Russians. Do you believe in miracles? Yes, yeah. and I I hit a absolutely huge shot against Samurai in the finals to clinch an MCAL championship, of which Pete hadn't won one in, in quite some time since Eddie Joe was a senior. So Eddie Joe Chavez, yeah, big big deal, uh, and then uh, my junior year, yep. I was captain, first captain in the history of Drake as a junior. No one's ever been captain uh, as a junior, and then uh, that's that's when the personality we'll just call it a personality conflict, and uh, um, and and Pete Pete could teach some things and do some great things. I'm not gonna bash him, but. It, it has helped me in my coaching career and just in terms of he was an old-school negative reinforcement guy. Right. And as you know, in today's world, you can't do that. 
So every time I feel like I'm getting a little negative, you've coached right alongside me. And yeah. I'll have a little angel on my shoulder saying, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's always carried on uh, with me to not get when I want to start to get that way or get down on a kid or even on myself. Uh, I, that reminds me that yeah. I, I didn't have fun playing in, in that environment. So I want I don't ever, ever want a kid not having fun in my environment. So that's a big thing for me. Great point. You know, one of the things I want to talk about with your high school, you, you say this all the time to the kids that we coach, is that, you know, you, you would win tournament MVPs, you'd be all tournament, and in a three or four game tournament, you'd score six total points or eight yes. points, right? So yeah. you would do it without needing to score. And well, kids, I think, today are very focused on scoring and the highlights and, Absolutely, and you were effective getting all tournament medals Absolutely. without scoring points. I, I don't, I don't like that. That's always talked about. And, and first thing everyone asks, how'd the game go? And they, oh, how many points you score? I said, well, there's there's ten more ways to I- influence a basketball game. Right. And I had a an obviously a father that um, unbelievably understood the game, and that he made sure that I was good. And even as a kid watching TV, I would watch the non-scores and what they would do. Right. And I could just really guard, thanks to my dad and, and Bobby, having the influence of Bobby Drucker in camps all through childhood, uh, I could really take angles away and really guard, and, and even against quick, quicker people. Yep. And that carried off all the way into when I was guarding pros in the Pro-Am League at Drake yep. that were way bigger, way stronger, way faster. I mean, get to guard Kevin Johnson, who couldn't be guarded in the NBA. Right. Right? So I, I didn't feel so bad when he was scoring or dunking on me, right? He's and you me. held him to like 38, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the championship <laughs> game. I had, it was actually 48, Dave, but I had 18. But I don't tell people there that you go. He, he had 48. I just said I had 18 on Kevin Johnson. 18 on KJ. Yeah. yeah. So t- talk about, what, so after high school, you played College of Marin, yep. right? And then you went down to Kowloon. So, so yeah. talk talk about... I played for a, a man at College of Marin, Willie Lanier, who was not the best coach I've ever had, but he made the game fun again. That was really important. And then my first year at College of Marin, I played with all Drake guys. And we had, well, we, we ended up losing a team that won the whole thing that year in, in junior college basketball. And uh, uh, Willie made it fun. My second year, um, I did not play with the same kind of guys. It was kind of a hodgepodge of characters. Underachieved a little bit, but I had some a uh, couple small schools looking at me. I narrowed it down to Lewis and Clark up in Oregon yep. and Cal Lutheran University, which is in Thousand Oaks. And we knew the area. And my dad had some influence there because he grew up in Oxnard, which is right, right outside of Ventura, right yep. right by Cal Lutheran. And he had an old uh, coach down there, Lucianovich, who's a famous coach at Santa Clara High School, sure. in the California Hall of Fame, and uh, said, hey, Cal Lutheran's building a program. They're not good, but they're looking for a point guard. And uh, a guy by the name of Ray Tejada started calling me on the phone. And when he called me, we, we, he never asked me about my stats or anything. He always wanted to talk about my family hmm. what, or what I'm going to do when I'm done with college. Because obviously I wasn't going pro. Uh, I found that out in about eighth, ninth grade. Uh, so uh, that was my choice, and I made the great choice because Larry, my the head coach, Larry Lopez, became a tremendous influence on me. And yeah. the, the biggest thing was is that, you know, I'm 35, 6 Years now, I'm a recovered alcoholic, and he called me out on that my senior in college and got me. Uh, I stopped drinking my senior in college, and then 
I had to finish up one semester at school when my eligibility was over. Yeah. And he found a way to pay for that for me with some scholarship money and become a grad assistant down there. And because of him, I got to spend two quality nights with John Wooden and Pat Riley. Two, wow. two separate years. They both spoke at our scholarship banquet because Larry did ran camps for them at Cal Lutheran. Hmm. And I got to pick them up and drive them home. Unbelievable. And he knew I could be a coach. So he... Yeah. He could have asked anyone else, but it was I was the captain, and, he, uh, and it was it was uh, pretty impressive. Talk about two different car rides too. It was uh, completely different. Incredible. Right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting. I mean, seeing how you interact with the kids that you coach, you take an interest in them as students. You you care about them. You do whatever you can to help them, and so it's it's cool to see that that I appreciate that's it. Well, that's it's, and that's a lot for my father. Right. As you know. Being around him, he played for him. Yep. Duff played for him. It, it, he's just, he went way beyond the call of duty. Yep. It's, it's like, and I just, he loves his kid. It's, it's, you have to, you have to, I believe in today's world, if they know that you love, that you love them yeah. beyond just basketball, I think there's so many powerful things that you can do with them on the basketball court if they trust you that much. Because it's, it's a lot, it's not a lot going around like that anymore. Right, and uh, I, I just carry that with me to this day. But I really got that from him, and he had the ability to make you as a player actually feel like you were actually better than you were. I, and I, that's a that, from experience. That, you can't, yeah, you can't learn that in a book. You can't learn that in a practice. It was just he had that ability to do that, and uh, I, I pretty pretty much think I took a little piece of that uh, with him uh, yeah. for myself, and I always remember that but it's it's the weddings the baptisms that the houses or uh yeah. going to a party and, and a bunch of your former players give you a basketball and acknowledge you that you have no idea yeah. that that's going to happen uh so that's what makes it all worthwhile sitting in this room with two former kids that i used to train yeah or young men now old men actually uh is, older. is what it's all about this is this is fun yeah awesome so uh you know we're, we're talking to uh, players, parents, coaches, hopefully people listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully some people are listening to this that aren't, you know, my parents and Duffy's parents. Um, but let's talk to... to uncle that are, are Oh, yeah, sweet. Our reach is growing. Uh, so let's talk to kids or parents of kids who are kind of CYO age, right? Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, mm-hmm. eighth, just starting. What should those kids be focused on? If, 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 if I'm a fifth, sixth grade kid or I have a, I'm a parent of a fifth or sixth grade kid and they're just starting to play basketball, what advice would you give them to, I, to I, focus on? Yeah, yeah, that's not hard, but they're not doing it right now because what they watch on television, they grab a ball off the ball rack and start chucking up threes. Right. I, I'm, I'm really at that age, I I'm, I'm have to be working on both my hands, dribbling and finishing with both hands. So by the time they get to eighth grade and they're trying to make – uh, teams and getting ready for high school, you have to be, if you're right-handed, you have to be able to make a left-hand layup. Right. You have to, if you're left-handed, you have to be in the right, right-hand layup. And then just the little things of um, knowing how to guard people, not sit in a two-three zone and, and moving your feet. Um, uh, I would definitely, obviously shooting, but not, I'm, I'm going to find, my father used to tell me to own spots on the floor. And right. I was a point guard, so I owned the half circle up top. And when I got a, the ball there and I was open, yep. because of I spent so much time there, I didn't need to spend a ton of time at the wing or the baseline, I felt like the ball was going in every time I shot it. So I would tell them at a young age, where do you think you're going to be playing? And, and find 
owning spots before. Now, if you're somebody like the kid I coach right now, like Carly, he could probably own many spots on the floor. Right. But I was very smart and listened and learned that half circle where the ball gets swung to you at top. That's where he played. He could yep. knock that down at his own. If ball got swung to Duff, he owned that swing and stepped into that shot. Obviously, he could shoot, too. That helps, right? Right. But um, I'm for sure working on both hands at a young age, a lot of hand-eye coordination stuff, and um, play, play, play. One-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. It doesn't have to be five-on-five. It can be one-on-one in the backyard against somebody that can challenge you, but not somebody that you can just destroy and you have success against all the time. Have somebody, like I had my brother. Right. Division one professional player. I mean, we just used to go at it, man. So that helped us both get better. That's a great segue into another topic that I wanted to touch on. So, which is skills training. So, there we're lucky in Marin. We have some great skills trainers. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for thirty years. You and your dad. I mean, Duffy and I both. We met at the Fairfax Pavilion, mm-hmm. working with you and your dad on Saturday mornings, yeah. doing block drills. Yeah. Block drill. For those of you who don't know, you get the ball <laughs> at the top of the key in your triple threat position. You take two hard dribbles to the right. Go to the block. Square up, shoot a shot off the backboard, go back to the top of the key, do it again. And I just remember you yeah. and Larry saying, all right, 20 block drills to start. That's a wooden drill, David. That's where Dad got He guy was yeah. fortunate enough to watch a wooden practice, and that's where he got it from. John Wooden won a couple that's games. A, that's Backboard was key when you can use it. A lot right. of people don't even do that anymore. Exactly. Like it's a lost art. Wooden's guys, if they always took that angle, he wanted them to use the backboard, and they all could. But they practiced it every day, right. going game speed. But yeah. so, ba- so back when we would do skills training, mm-hmm. it was great. We would work on our shooting, work on our ball handling, but then we would play, right? Yeah. You'd have us run two-on-two, three-on-three, one-on-one. Duffy would kick my butt every yeah. time. Yeah. And today, I'm, just, I'm interested in your perspective because you see a lot of kids working with skills trainers, and there are some fantastic ones in Marin, Absolutely. and that's awesome. What do you think is the right mix of skills training where you're you know, learning to dribble around cones and shoot jumpers and, and work on your handle versus just playing pickup and learning how to play three-on-three, five-on-five. I I think it has to be just as much. Not less, not more. Yeah. So if I'm I'm going to the gym for an hour and a half, I I, I should really be doing 45 minutes to an hour of skill training, and I I have to play. Right. Because there's nothing like putting you in those situations. Now, when you're going back to the days at the pavilion, we would be, they were controlled scrimmages, and we would, oh, especially Dad, was so detailed. He would stop it and point things Always. out, right? Yes. Even in scrimmages at Marin Academy in the day. I, I prefer, I love that he did that, but the one thing I do, I don't want to stop the flow of playing either, so I would, now what I do, is you know this, you coach me, I'll sub in and then have a conversation right. with that person so we don't stop the flow of the game. But, um, I mean, what I'm, just this team, upcoming team in 2023-24 at San Domenico, I'm excited because we have the ability now, as you know, to have a, a five-on-five scrimmage, and there'll be days where the second string is kicking the butt of the first string. And I don't have to have you playing or dragging right. some JV basketball kids, boys, into practice because we're going to be able to have live competitive practices. And what will happen there is when you create that, the games become easier. When you make your practices harder. Well, it's a, it's a All great... Uh, Jonas Hunt. Exactly. Make the practices harder so the games become easier. There's a big truth to that, right? Well, it's also so, a famous story that my dad always told me was uh, 
you know, Bill Walton and the UCLA teams were so good because the toughest guy that Walton had to play against that year was the backup center, Swen Nader, that right? That's correct. Who went on to have a really good pro career. Yes, so he did. Every day in practice, he's playing against an elite player. He started anywhere in the country exactly. other than UCLA. Yes. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, about what we got yeah. coming up here. So um, one of the things that we wanted to touch on, we have some parents listening to this. Mm-hmm. How do you be a good basketball parent? And, and one of the challenges of coaching is parents. Parents can yeah. be great, but obviously parents are looking after their own kid. They're looking out for their own of kid. Of course. And a coach, you have to think about the collective, right? And so sometimes there can be some challenges there. So what advice would you give parents on how to be a good I, basketball parent? I keep that real simple, too. And it's, it's my rule with my parents is, um, and I've had to literally go up at a halftime or after a game or before a game and, and say something to somebody. But if you want to have it be involved, great. Have those conversations with your kid on the ride home or at the dinner table at home. Do not have those conversations during a game. Right. Okay. Or halftime of a game. That is not your place. That is the coach's job. Yes. And I, I just I make sure that's very clear with my parents. I, even when I'm training kids, I've removed parents from the gym of kids I've trained because they're saying stuff while I'm trying to coach. And, and sometimes it's maybe the same stuff, right? But they're not dialed in to me. They're dialed in. To that parent, I'm, I've asked. I've actually asked them to leave. Yeah. Say, hey, can you come back in an hour? Okay. I, I'm. I don't have to do that with you two, of course. Yeah. But um, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I. I just do because I also know it makes the kid really uncomfortable, for the most part. It's not a not a fun situation. And it's confusing but, when you got different yeah. voices in and, your head, right? And most of the time, now, if I'm a young coach, I have to establish myself, right? That might take a little time. I have a background in a history where if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. But I've, I've been two Hall of Fames, and right. you don't. I'm pretty much saying the right things. I might say a little differently sometimes, right. or whatever. But I ask them to have those cheer for everybody at the games, and if have those, because there are some parents that know the game. I, I respect that. I had a parent coach side by side me at, at Branson. Yeah, I, I love it. And one year they didn't let me. Him coach with me because some parents, other parents complained that he, why does he get the selling badge? Well, because he knows, he played at University of Maryland, knows a lot more than you do. Right. So that's why, and he never coached his two daughters. He let me coach them, he coached everybody else. And that was the deal. Yep. You're not going to say anything to them. I got them. You take care of everyone else. And he was one of my better assistants I've ever had sitting next to me. Next to you, of course. Uh, okay, I'm not offended by that <laughs> no, statement right no, there. No, he, he was phenomenal. But he yeah. never coached his daughters in the practices or in games. Um, but guess what he did? On the ride home, because I was there at times, right. or at dinner at home, he would he would throw in his two cents, but never where he, he's overstepping his bounds or, or with me, where you, they have to hear one voice. Right. So it, it's a big one, right? Well, uh, it, it's funny. So for those of you out there who are parents and coaches, a lot of us coach CYO. Yep. My friend Tony Butler, San Marin coach, great guy. He... he was talking to me one time about the ride home with his daughter and she, you know, asked, how did I play? And his answer was, well, do you want, do you want me to be a parent or do you want me to be your coach right now? <laughs> and it's a really fair question, right? As a parent, I love you. You played hard as a coach. Here are some things you could work on, right? So it's always striking that balance. And well, and I had it the, the hard, my brother and I, right. we could have a great game in there. We're still on the ride home. You, you could have done this and this better. Yes. That, that 
was not. But that's where mother comes in, and mother right. would just, honey, you look so good in your uniform. <laughs> right. That made our day. But it, it, sometimes it was hard. Now, if I and then on the rare occasion where I had a bad game, thank God I didn't have many. Yeah. Then it was like I didn't want to go home. Right. Because he was going to break it down, and I, and he was right. But sometimes you didn't want to hear. You don't it. want to hear it. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Let's jump to high school players. We talked about youth players starting, working on both hands, finishing around the rim. So that kind of basic stuff. Now let's talk to the high schoolers who are trying to level up. Maybe they're, they played JV last year. They're looking to make varsity. Maybe it's a varsity player looking to play in college. What, what advice would you give to high school players to work on on their game? Well, first of all, you have to be in the gym on a regular basis. Basketball is not a sport where you can just pull it out during the season. You have to, out of season, be doing some serious playing and some serious training if you're trying to make those teams. Right. Okay. If you're trying to go uh, a freshman sophomore to make the varsity, um, you have to. But with, with me, it's all about work ethic. My better players are didn't fall out of bed and were, were great basketball players. And the players that we have here are the ones that are in the gym all the time. Right. Okay. My, my MVP last year, Maya Sykowska, was in the gym at 6 3 in the mornings, weekends, absolutely worked her tail off to become the player she was. If there's no secret ingredient or rocket science for that, yep. he was in the first one in the gym, the last one to leave when yep. I coached him. No, that's what you need to do. In terms of skill set, you need to be putting your game, and now the game has changed. So you need to have, in any position, including a post, you need to have a handle, you need to be able to have see the court, and you need to be able to shoot a three. Yeah. That's that's different. In my day, they never went outside the key. If, if you were a post player, four or five didn't go outside the key. Right. I mean, the first really good four that could I knew that could shoot like a guard that I played with was Doug Devore. He shot the ball like a guard and legendary way Drake out there. Player. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't wasn't legendary Drake. He got legendary when he got outside like Buck. He developed later on in life. Mm. College running. He was an All American sophomore, and I got to play with him. He was amazing. Yep. He went on to Sam Houston State and then great uh, pro career in New Zealand for right. years. Right. But that's he was one of the first ones where I mean, could really, as a big six foot seven, six foot eight, and could step out and shoot the ball like a guard. And his kids at uh, Nevada. Nevada, the varsity player at Nevada High School, and shoot, shoots it uh, a little bit like that. Not quite as good as dad, but shoots it like that. But that's yeah, that's the first one. So now I I'm not I don't do a lot of trainings with kids right now, and I'm teaching them a Brook Smith left and right handed hook shot. Right, right. We're we're working on facing up and having the whole game, including the handle now, because everyone's doing five out, dribble drive, and everyone yeah. has to be able to do those things. So the game has changed, which is which is fine. Sure. I, I, the athletes are better. Um, I don't think the basketball IQ is as good as it was 20, 30 years ago. I'm, I'm just being honest. I think the athletes are better. I think that what's at their disposal in terms of training, like you talked about, I mean, if I'm not training a kid, I would send my own kid to Kenny Woodard or Michael Turner. Yeah. And and if I had a kid that wanted to be taught footwork around the post, they'd be working with Tommy Poser. Yep. Those are you can't go you go anywhere in the country, you might not find three better people than that. That's that's if I had my own kids and they didn't want I didn't want them to hear my own crazy loud voice all the time. Right. Those are three people in this county. I would send them to it. And there's some others too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But well, those are three of the best in my opinion. We're going to have another episode of this very famous podcast that we have here um, on this topic <laughs> where, so Kenny Woodard, 24-8, mm-hmm. new group, great group out of Marin. Michael Turner with NBBA. Yep. Been around for a long time. Two fantastic They're like my two areas. sons, man. Yeah. I'd do anything for them. 
and and both great resources for aspiring players, high school players. Uh, again, back to what we we're talking about, working on skills and also playing some games. So, um, I want to jump into more coaching now because okay. you've got a, I mean, you graduated college and you started coaching and you've been coaching your whole life basically, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah. There's nobody. I actually, uh, coached Jimmy Sy and I coached our middle school girls team at St. Mary's in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. But so you go. I started coaching when I was twelve. Yeah, and there's so nobody. There's uh, nobody better. So, uh, I can speak from experience. Sitting next to you on the bench after games, when we shake hands with teams that we usually beat, coaches will come up to you and say, "Man, your your kids play hard." I've heard it so many times. How do you get your kids to play so hard? Well. First of all, you, the only way that happens is you have to demand it every day, and they have to believe that you demand it. It's not; it can't be a punchline. And as you know, you've been with me. I demand it every, no matter what drill we're doing. Yep. It, it has to. We're trying. No one has ever played this game perfectly. You can't. But you're still trying to obtain perfection. Right. And I, as you know, it's as simple as we do. A little warm-up drill with the with the fifteen to twenty makes and a little a weave where the ball can hit the ground. Yeah, I I want that to be perfect. I I I get a little agitated, as you know. I don't really I try and turn away and not always say anything. But if we miss a layup or two, uh, I get a little agitated. But as you know, that drill always got kept, kept getting better. And if you have a really good team, there's days where they don't miss a layup, the ball doesn't hit the ground. So um, I just believe. You, you have to demand that from day one. Uh, I'm pretty good at doing that. Um, I, I just don't think you can just do it once in a while and expect that they're going to step into a game and play it out. Because you are going to have those games where your team is flat or your, the ball's not going in the hole. Yep. And you, you kind of got to build some confidence a little bit too. As you know, we got some... Uh, girls on our team that are really hard on themselves and things aren't going their way. They get really down on themselves and it affects how they play. So that's a whole different animal in itself, right? Yep. So, um, but I just d- demanded every day. When I coached him, I demanded him to be at his best every day. Yeah. So, and, and 99% of the time he was, and that's why he got to go on and play outside of high school. So, um, but you have to demand it. I was, I was, I'm demanding. I, I don't, and I have, I don't see what, anything wrong with that. Some people say, oh, well, you're too hard on your players. I said, I, I don't. If they would have seen what my dad did back in the day, and when you weren't paying attention, the, the Wilson jet hit you in the forehead, <laughs> when parents would applaud that, now he's going to jail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there has been some there, right? So um, I know for a fact that he threw it at Davis a couple times. I was there. <laughs> so, uh, but parents would never, yeah. they were just like, thank you, Larry. Thank yeah. you, Larry. Because uh, the bottom line is, you, you've been with me now for yeah. a year. They know from my best players to not my best players, they do know I love them. And yeah. I tell them every day that I do. Yes. So that's a powerful thing. If you're one of these people that says it every day, but they don't think you, they think you're full of, you know what? Mm-hmm. It ain't, doesn't fly. Right. Especially with girls. Yes. Okay? It's co- different coaching boys and girls, bud. So girls, if they buy into everything, you can do some powerful things, man. Cause, Absolutely. Because guys, will get angry, but they're still going to want to be competitive and try and win, win, win the game, right? Yeah. So there's a whole different mindset there. Well, right? I can say uh, from experience, when people ask me what it's like to coach with uh, with Coach Fulton, 
you are the same. Your energy is the same, whether we're up 50. And by the way, we've been up 50. We've been up 70. And you are still roaming the sidelines, correcting people with the same intensity as if we're down 30. It doesn't matter. You coach the same. Your energy is the same. Appreciate that. And the kids see that. I can't stand watching coaches that their team's getting their butt kicked and they just sit like yeah. this yep. and and not and just shaking their head like this. I, I just can't. There, there's yeah. always up. I've been on the other end of that. I've coached AU teams getting beat by 70, 80 points. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find pauses, whether it's a one basket or a kid makes, dives on the floor for a loose ball and we're down 50. Yeah. I, I, I've been on both ends of that, buddy. Sure. So I know what that feels. And parents come after me in the game, well, what's going on? Yeah. So, well, we're in a little different talent pool here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so kind of kind of connected to what we're talking about, I mean, another thing that I've noticed about the way you coach is a kid misses a shot, you're not you're not taking her out for missing a shot. No. You've never subbed a kid out for making a, for missing a shot, no. for making a turnover. Now, what you do do is if a kid's not playing hard, they're on the bench. Absolutely. So. And if and and they'll be told right when they come out why they came out. Right. I don't. Not, there's no head games being played. That's the, the what I don't like to do is like I I will tell them, uh, sometimes not in a nice way, sometimes in a nice way. I will tell them that or the shot selection can be a little better. You've heard me say that. Sure. Never. For miss, I mean, my God, in the state championship game last year, I could have taken the whole team out for the way they were shooting, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I would have had the team out on the court that no one could make a shot. Yes. You know? Yes. I don't. No, want I don't. I don't. I don't. We, I played for somebody like that, and it wasn't fun. Right. So if you missed one, you were looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Right? If you're playing to not make a mistake, you're no. not gonna. No. You're not gonna play. Great. Be your best. Yeah. You know, one of my hot buttons as a coach is. I want my kids to watch basketball mm-hmm. in their spare time. And I feel mm-hmm. like the players who who watch basketball just have a better feel for it. So I agree. for you, who do you like to watch? Are there teams, coaches, certain players that you like, to, whether it's local, NBA, WNBA, college? Who do, who do you like to watch when you're watching basketball? Uh, well, right now, my new favorite player to watch because he was in our gym all summer and um, Hopefully he's he's healing because he had a, a a brain tumor. But I, I really fell in love with watching Lucas Chavez play oh, in our yeah. gym this summer, and I don't think people understand that um, for the for you old timers, he's got a combination of Buck and EJ in him, and we're talking about two of the best players to ever. Well, Eddie was the best. That's not arguable. The right. best high school player to ever come out. Sorry, Buck got better after high school, right? Yeah. Got really good. But <clears throat> I, I, Lucas Chavez defends. He would play the way I would want somebody to play all the time. He defends. He passes. Yep. He scores and picks up people full court, gets right in their craw. That's one of my favorite things because yeah. that's who I was as a player. Sure. I love that, that you're, you're dictating the other team what they're doing just by guarding the ball that hard. Um, I love watching him. Uh, NBA, I, obviously I'm a Curry guy. I know he's changed the game because everyone wants to be like him. They can't. But I was fortunate enough to go to a Warrior game, and um, I got to see his workout. We, we, our, our, my fiance's son, uh, we bought a package where you get to go see him do his workout before the game. Yeah. I was 20 feet away from watching it. So you, I've seen it on film, obviously. Right. But when you see it live and then – Starting in 15, 20 minutes, he does not leave the key, ladies and gentlemen. He does not grab the ball off the rack yeah. and start shooting from 40. Everything, one foot runner, everything was in the key with both hands. For right hand, minutes. left hand, yep. 
floaters, underhand scoops, everything. Angles off the backboard, and then he starts moving out. Yep. And there was a quick sequence there where I think he made 25 in a row from way beyond. Yeah. And then he ends with half-court shot and all that. It's just, it's great. But in a, a learning situation, who moves without the ball better than him? Exactly. Who re- comes off screens better than him? So teaching point is phenomenal, right? I love watching play. Um, I um, I really like the kid uh, at Oklahoma City. I like watching him play, who we were just talking about earlier. Yeah. Shea um, Gilchrist Alexander. Because he defends, too. Yes. I, I, the NBA is hard for me to because they don't defend right. at, at, like they used to. Right? Yeah. The rules have changed for that, too. Right? But they, with the athletes they have, they should be able to defend a little a, a little higher degree. But I just love watching him. I think he's the next great player. Uh, the Edwards kid from Minnesota. Yep. Oh, my. I mean, I, they, they catch my eye. Yep. Somebody I don't like watching, two guys I don't like to watch play that people like. I can't stand James Harden. Yeah. 13 drills before you do anything. Right. And I can't st- stand the kid at Dallas Doncic because, uh, yes, is he a phenomenal guard talent because of his strength? There, but he does not guard anybody. Right. And I can't watch that. Not a Kyrie Irving fan. Does not. Unbelievable. May, might be next to Steph, the best ball handler in the history of the game. Right. I throw Isaiah Thomas into that too. Sure. Okay? But I, I can't watch those guys play because they don't play both sides of the ball yeah so it's I, those are guys i i just won't i don't leave the tv on if they're playing i will not well one of the another thing that i've picked up from you sitting on the bench with you is so fun because we, we can watch a game i mean we'll be in a game or we're watching a, a, another team play and you pick up on things that teams are doing right away and you always have a counter and it's because you've spent 40 50 years watching basketball mm-hmm. and watching it actively not just watching the dunks and the threes, but you're watching what teams are doing. I played for a guy in high school, Jonas Honick, who watched basketball, knows the game, and he can watch a game in two minutes right. and tell you, all right, are they trailing screens or are they switching, yeah. right? What are they, well, are they getting enough ball yeah. rotations? I mean, he's, he was so fun to watch yeah. a game well, with. Just so you know, that's when I got, I thought I knew everything coming from college and Marin. Yeah. I was very successful at the AAU level in, in high school and now college. I took six out of seven years. I took my college ring teams to state championships. Right. I thought I knew everything until I met him, and then I watched film sessions with him, yeah. and I got so much better. He is the best I've ever seen preparing his team for a game. The best. There is no one I've been around in my lifetime better. Yeah. And that that I've been around some good ones, buddy. Yep. Absolutely. And I I, did, I learned so much. He's um, a and, and obviously his practice plans were oh. his pra- just better than most colleges. Yep, incredible so, and won multiple uh, state but, titles at but I, That's the other thing. I yeah. I can always get better. Yep, I always get better. But yes, of years of coaching, you see things a lot easier than I used to. I, I just I just see it. Yep, you know. So um, and and sometimes uh, I've lost some games making wrong decisions with either personnel or drawing up a play or. Going to this defense, I'm just, I'm just saying. If I had last year, if I had to do it all over again, I yep. would have picked that team up full court from the get go. Even though we had a tired team at the time, Dave, right. I would have tried to make the tempo even more. We waited till the fourth quarter to do that, and we, 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 we were done. I'm, I maybe would have subbed a little earlier, a little more often. But if I'm evaluating myself, yeah. I might have picked up a, a little sooner, picking that team up full court. And who knows? Maybe they would have got more laps. But maybe they would have been throwing the ball into the rafters by the second half. We would have wore them down a little more. Yep. 
But I, I was evaluating my team, and we looked like we were a tired basketball team. So that was hard. We also didn't want to, you know, we, we didn't press all year because we didn't want to get into foul trouble. And well, there were, yeah. and there were our, other... our all-state point guard was playing on one leg, too. Right, so let's, right. let's be honest. She, she tried, but she was not the same. Right. But so. that's another thing that you're really good at, and to the coaches out there. I mean, you, we all have our own basketball philosophies, right? We have mm-hmm. things that we agree to and, and, and believe in. But you do a great job of adjusting to the personnel that you have, right? And so we would have different sets for different situations based on our, our personnel. So you, your, your style can change. And well, I think you that's have to. I mean, coaches, I don't, right? I, I'm not going to run the same offense if I, if my personnel is different, right? Right. If I have a last year, we, we tried to get my involved in almost every possession because she got really good and she could also pass. So I'm yeah. running, we're running a lot of post entry stuff, right? Right. So this year we won't be doing very much right. of that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I don't see how you can run the same stuff every year when your personnel changes. Now, if you're somebody like modern day that gets the same great players every year, then you can stay with the same system, sure. right? Sure. So. Yep. So, speaking of that, let's let's talk about let's nerd out on some coaching stuff. Um, can you think of a great kind of as Duffy calls it a chalkboard moment where you, you tight game you drew up a play. You had to you had to pull something out of your bag. You know, Steve Kerr is legendary for having a, a binder full of yeah. out of bounds. He's one of the best after timeout coaches. Yes, he is. They score the a lot on, on after timeouts. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful coach yeah. in that regard. You're really good at that too. So, any come anything comes to mind about a, a a great moment for you where you drew something up and it worked? Uh, I've had a bunch doing years of coaching, but the the latest one was when I took over. The boys team that night at Myrna Academy. Yeah, um, it wasn't hard, um, and then I knew how the game was going that they were going to double off of Gigi because he was having a really he had just hit a three to cut it to one, and so it was a, just a simple length of the court play. We had six seconds, and our fastest guy on the team was Gavin. So and six I, seconds, and you're so down down one. Down one, taking the ball out of bounds at their at their. So you had end. to go the full length and of the court. We had to go the length of the court on side. I had Matos, one of our best passers, take the ball out because I knew he could be. Yep. If you have somebody that can't pass the ball out of bounds, you're in trouble. So all we did was I watched how they were defending Gigi, and then he called another timeout. So I had Gavin go fake like he was going to scream. I had him across from each other, tandem, yep. and just simple. But it's not. This isn't rocket science. They jumped out. The other guard, guarding Gavin, jumped to Gigi. So Gavin just took a couple steps like he's going to screen and, then, and beelined it up the sideline. Yep. So he had a step. It's like a, a Rivers, it's Jerry Rice running that go route with Montana. And right? you had him get it on the run, going the downhill. Run, yep. He gets with five seconds, he gets it right outside half court. Four, he's already inside half court. Our other play was Drew was in the corner for a three. Yep. One of our better three point shooters. Sure. He was open, but Gavin, Drew's guy, came late. Gavin kept going. He got into the key. Chi was supposed to dive down to the block. He was open, too, but Gavin took the five-footer. The guy tried to take a charge to get on late. They did not call a charge, which was the right call because he watched it on film. He let it go, and then the guy slid underneath them, right? And it goes in. But that was just reading how they play. If I was defending that, I'm keeping those guys in front of me and making them work. They're going to get a shot, but they're going to have to work for that. And I'm not going to cheat and just let them get it in bounds and try and go 
spin them side to side. Now, if right. one of them gets beat off the dribble, I'm going to come with help, right? But I'm surely not going to let a straight line cut up the court and get caught. Right. And no offense, the, the, that guy made a mistake in how he was defending that, the coach. Yep. Unless he told them not to do that, and they just they were wrong. But it, it wasn't. Once I saw how they were defending, I knew we were going to get a shot. Now, Gavin made a great athletic play, right? So. But this is also where a lot of years of experience, a lot of reps for you, you've been in these situations before, yeah. right? And, and, I, and I've failed at these situations. Sure, sure. You, you have to once yeah. in a while. But, yeah, I got I, – as I, when the girls look at me like I'm crazy, I said, I got 500 scenarios that we, we, yeah. to win a game, right? I just – that one – on how they were going to defend Gigi, because most people would have got Gigi a shot, right, buddy? Yeah. But, A, he doesn't get the ball up the court like Gavin does because he's not nearly as fast. Yep. And I, I knew that they were going to hug him when we went to screen for him. So it, it was a no-brainer. Yep. And it, it, it ended up working. It was nice. And I felt really good because if we would have, we led the whole game, if we lost that game for Tyler, who yep. was sick, I would have felt not yep. good about that. Because yep. they played well for about three quarters. In the fourth quarter, we forgot how we got a 10-12 point lead, you know, which that team had a tendency to do at times, right? But, Loved it. It yeah. was great. All so right. that's the recent one. That was fun. Yeah. Um, it was a little, not my team, but, and they executed it to a T. So it was, they did it right. Gavin sold going to screen. So the guy got on the high side of him, and he just went, Pfft. Yep. It's, it's just reading the defense, right? Right. So. Absolutely. So we, we've talked about, We've mentioned your dad a number of times. Um, you know, one of a, one of the legends of, of Marin coaching and an amazing human being changed my life. Um, you know, you talked about he was he was hard on you, but you knew he loved you and oh, he, yeah. he yeah. wanted you better. So, what what do you think made Larry so special as a coach? It's it's the it's what everyone says. It's what Duff says is that he he had the ability to make you actually feel that you were better than you were, and sometimes a yeah. lot better. Yeah. I mean, uh, when he passed away, they did an article in the IJ about him. Jimmy Saya said that same thing, and Jimmy's been a long-time, unbelievably successful coach, um, one of my best friends on the planet, yeah. and said the same thing. He just had that ability that you felt like, and he did it when he was training kids too, you felt like you were the most important person on the planet when he was talking to you or working with you or coaching you. And I, I just... That's a gift. Not not everyone can have that, man. Yeah. Not everyone does. It was just a that that's it. On top of um, defensively, he's as good as anyone I've ever been around. Oh yeah. I mean, I, offensively, he's old school. And right. Go, right. But I, I, defensively, buddy, I it was like cheating for me the stuff that he taught me because yeah. I could take things away, and he the, the things that he taught me. And, and yes, you have to have a little athleticism, the ability to move your feet laterally to have that success. But, um, and the other thing is, I, I hope young people would hear this, is that he promoted my brother and I play other sports, not just basketball yes. all year round. So I, track and cross country were huge in my development for basketball, huge. And not to mention I had a legendary health and coach in high school in both those sports, uh, Bill Taylor. Yeah. Hey. Uh, God rest his soul. He, he was at my Hall of Fame induction because I wanted him there. Yeah. He had great influence on me too, in terms of once again how to handle people. Um, he was amazing, and he had that ability to make you feel like you were ten feet tall yeah. in, in the room. One of my favorite things that Larry ever told me when I was younger, playing, he came and watched the game, and I was so afraid of making a mistake, and he grabbed me by my shirt and said, 
<laughs> make something happen out there, even if it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. He said, just make something happen. And I still think about that. And I still, I tell the kids that I coach that. Duff, were you going to say something? Uh, well, yeah, Larry was the only coach I ever had that made, made me uh, want to get up at five in the morning to go work. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the effect he had on yeah. you. Not only were you getting up, you wanted to get up yeah. and get back in the gym. And he would open yeah. up the gym. He would you know, yeah. slip open the lock. He'd get us in, <laughs> in the gym at five yeah. in the morning. And yeah. he was there to, to, to get us in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just an amazing dedication to his players. Yeah, I agree. All right, Mike, you've been so generous with your time. We're going to have a lightning round. Just a few quick answers, <laughs> last things here off the top of your head. Right. Greatest Marin high school team ever, boys and girls. Can okay. you well, answer boys, for the boys? Boys, not even close. That's the team that I didn't get, only got to play in for half a half a season. That Drake team of 80, 82 was, you, you can't argue that, buddy. They had more college players. Um, they People used to say they played like the old Celtics for a high school team. The ball at times did not hit the ground, which we want. That's what we strive for with our girls, right? Yeah. And we had moments like the ball doesn't hit the ground and just the extra pass. And I mean. So we were yeah. talking about this before we started recording. That team, would you say, Mike, they averaged 70-something points a game? Yeah, in the 70s, yeah. That was before the three-point line. No three-pointer. So 32-minute games, they're scoring in the 70s without threes. And, and – uh did not duck anybody in preseason, no matter how they did in the MCAL. They were playing the right. Washingtons. Yeah. The rear, we, we played everybody. But Big city my, my junior, the only team that beat, it's the only time they lost in tears was the Wilson team that had four Division One players on their team. And and that was a frustrating game. We lost 80-75 to 75. It was at Drake. It was phenomenal. Wow. And they had a guy by the name of Riley LaFleur score 43 points. I remember him. Yeah. And at halftime, he had 25 I asked to guard him because he was 6'5". I said, if he posts me up, I'll front him, and Dan, both Dan's going to have help on the backside. Yeah. And Pete wouldn't let me guard him. He wanted Dan, both the kennel warts to guard him. They couldn't guard him. And I, that was a very first. That was, and then the next game is the game I quit. But we got into it heavy after that game. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have denied him the ball. He wouldn't have scored 43 points with me guarding him. Yes, he yeah. was bigger. He had a baseline jump shot and 43 of their 80 points. And we still had a chance to win the game. Wow, still lost. But that's their lo- that was yeah. their only loss in two years, buddy. And they were they went on that year. Our junior took him and uh, lost in the finals. The TO back in then when it was only two divisions, yeah. right? There was no state championship until '82, so they were in the big division. They lost to I think Crenshaw, hmm. and then, but yeah. they were that good. And for younger listeners you know that 1982 drake team you walk into the archie williams now jim yeah. you see the banner you'll see a few um, retired up one of the too, yeah. one of the reserves on that team was a guy named steve lavin who's yep. the current head coach at university of san diego yep. was a coach at ucla coach at st john's uh, they had your brother chris fulton steve mm-hmm. kennelvord yeah i mean just unbelievable talent yes. um on that on that team all right best girls team in marin history this well is a, I, I, tougher one i'm I have to be honest. If I was biased, I would say my Branson teams. Uh, you won state titles def- with? Defensively, I think my Branson teams were the best team ever. But the, Mar- the Marin Catholic teams with uh, Brooke and Nikki and Brooke Lauren Mikowski, yep. Adrian Payne, Casey Lockwood. Uh, I mean, they had six or seven, eight college players on that team. Um, probably should have won more than one state championship. Yeah. Um, but that I don't know how we would guard... Brooke and Nikki. Yeah. We could guard everyone else, but um, I would say them one and my Branson team would be two. Yeah. Some could argue that Ron Wheatley's Novato team. Sure. Had, 
they were had some college players on that team. They were really good. Um, but you can't argue. So, Brooke Smith, real quick, uh, the only, I believe, somebody correct me if this is wrong, I, I think it's true, the only McDonald's All-American in the history of Marin. Uh, absolutely. There's been nobody close. Yeah, so, you walk into the Marin Catholic gym, you'll see her, her jersey there. Yeah. Um, she played at Duke and then at Stanford. I coached her in eighth grade, so it's all it was all me. Um, and then Nikki Warren played Division One at BC and USF. So am- yep. amazing teams. Mm-hmm. All right, what is your favorite gym in Marin County? Uh, Redwood. Interesting I had, answer. I had really good playoff games at Redwood and the championship game with a packed house. My sophomore hit shot. I, the ball I always well shot the ball well. even in our league games. I shot the ball there. Even when I was on Frost Soft, I shot the ball well there. So that's interesting because that might be—is that the only gym in where I'm trying to think uh, where there are stands behind the hoop, right? Yeah, I mean, it's that's yeah. the biggest gym, so that's why they yeah. have the playoffs there. Yeah. But you think all the other ones? There's your, I don't for some long, reason, buddy. I just liked it there. Just and like I, the big I had gyms. Some, I had some nice games against them there, and I had some really nice. Now, granted, my playoff career was for one year, but right. Um, Beat Marine Kelly by 30 in one game there, and then we we beat Sam Wren, who was a really good team, uh, there. And I had, like I said, I had a shot that iced the game, put us up five. All right, let's uh, let's pretend Mike Fulton's knees are fine, and you can go you can go play. Mm-hmm. It's you and four other guys or women going to play in the Drake Summer League. Who, who's your who's your dream team that you want to play with? Ooh, that's hard. Because I, I had a team that went undefeated in that league with, with four great teammates, and we beat Chavez's by 30 in the final game. Beat Paradise Farmers with Leonard Taylor and Kevin Johnson I remember that by team, about yeah. 15 in the semifinals. And, uh, and uh, that was probably my best summer of playing ever because at the level I was playing at yeah. and who I was playing against. But if I was going to go me and four others just for one game, yeah. so here's two I would have to take because I always had to play against them and guard them, and I never... Rarely, one time I got to play in the Casa Tournament Marin with Buck, and it was one of the last times I could still really play before my knees got bad. Yeah. And I had, I mean, because I was playing with Buck, I went off. Right. Because he just... Just makes everybody better. He told me to shoot every time I got it, which no one ever told me that. And I got to just launch and have a great time. Um, it would be Buck and Eddie Joe, because I always had to play against them. Yep. And then I'd have to take my two counterparts in the Drake League, which played with me for a few years and we were at the top of that league every year Brian Shaw and Anthony Mann Brian is as you know rookie team on the Celtics and had yeah. a illustrious one championships with Shaq became a coach with coach. Phil yep and uh, still now he's Ty Lue's number one assistant with the Clippers yep I just talked to him actually last month we tried to get him to come oh, speak cool. at our camp he's still just a great guy but he could do everything on a basketball court Brian was not great at anything he could do everything he could right. guard he could shoot it he could jump he could pass. He could handle. And then Anthony Mann was, in Jim Brovelli's era at USF, was his best player and made all West Coast Conference. Left-handed, poor man's version of J- James Worthy. So if he got yeah. full speed going to the rim, he's either dunking on you or finishing. And then the, the night I told you about that was phenomenal where the fans in the yeah. West were not rooting for us and we beat them by 30, he had 38 against Buck. That wow. doesn't happen yeah. very often. He just went off, and that's why we ended up blowing them out by 30. Anthony had the game of his life. He never played like that ever again, <laughs> but for that one night, yeah. he was worthy. But that's the kind of game he had. wasn't a great, he was streaky, but if you got, he got out with his left hand on the break, and I had him going on the left, Shaw on the right, 
Nick Neil Hickey, who was a Division II player at SF State two years, our post player, who couldn't jump this high, but he had unbelievable fakes with his left and right hand. He would yeah. just draw the, the Leonard Taylor's world off the ground. He was phenomenal player, and he was our leader. So if Brian and Anthony started to get off the reservation at times and take some bad yeah. shots, he would say something, they would listen. And then the guy trailing next to me was Doug DeVore. So we scored <laughs> lots and bad. lots of points. Yeah. And I, for me, it was like... It was a dream. And I'd go back to college, and it was easy because I'm playing with those guys all summer. Yeah. And against, I'm guarding Kevin Johnson, Harold Keeling, Paul Pickett at St. Mary's, uh-huh. all conference. Yeah. I'm having to guard those guys. Amazing players. Yeah. For, for the listeners who uh, are, are younger, the, the Drake, well, now Archie Williams, we still call it Drake. Um, <laughs> that's, there was a summer league, an adult summer league, mm-hmm. and it was the mecca of Bay Area basketball. Yeah. I mean, you have the, the yeah. Pro-Am but the program wasn't sanctioned back then for NCAA players. So all right. the NCAA local, the Stanford Cal's, St. Mary's, they would come all those here. guys had to come over USF and play. Yeah. So it's just the level of play was just unbelievable. So I remember as a kid walking into that gym at Drake, you know, with my dad, and there's there's Kevin Johnson. I mean, yeah. who's an NBA player, and he's playing right there on <laughs> the floor. All star. You know, yeah. I had gone to pirate camp earlier that day, and now Kevin Johnson's you know <laughs> shooting layups where I shot layups. I mean, that was that was pretty cool. So yeah. uh, Marin has a rich basketball tradition, which is one of the reasons why my friend Duffy and I here just wanted to start this podcast. Um, Mike, this has been fantastic. We can talk for hours, absolutely. Uh, but no, you got to go. You got to go train some some kids right now, yeah. some hoops. But uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Forward to coming to San Antonio, watching your team play. Yes, this season. we, we should be. Uh, to come take a look. Great should gym. be exciting. It's going to be an amazing. Yeah, yep. a couple Thank new you. players. I think will make us a little better. Yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'll go to work. I think I saw the lad walk by. Yes. All right. Well, that was fun. I had fun. Did you, Dave? Uh, I loved it. I could have talked to Mike for for hours and hours, and I see him many days uh, every week, but um, not often you get a chance to talk about the history like that. So I loved it. I thought you did a great job with the questions. That's nice of you. Thank you. Uh, It was cool to hear Mike, who I've known for a very long time and have had many discussions with. Mike, by the way, has trained both of my kids in basketball uh, and has been my coach, of course, as I mentioned earlier. But I learned a few new things about him in this interview that I'd never heard. And so I thought that was cool. It was, it was also really cool to hear him talk about his dad, Larry, as a, as a coach and a father and trying to bridge you know, those two roles uh, for Mike and Chris when they were growing up. So that's tough. I know that as a coach and a, as a dad. And uh, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, but I appreciated that. Yeah, and what, just, what resonated with me is, is exactly what Mike said about Larry's gift of, of convincing kids that they were that he truly believed in them, because um, he did, but that they were better than they than they were. And, and that was me. I mean, Larry made me feel like I could beat anybody. Um, and, you know, he knew that wasn't necessarily the case, but that's okay. Um, he made me think it, and that gave me confidence to play and try new things. And, um, and Mike has that ability. Um, I, you know, I, I did ask the question, it's true. I've had so many people come up to us and say, how do you get those kids to play so hard? And yeah, it's what Mike said, getting him to buy in, doing it every day. But it's also just, he has a force of personality that's very unique. Um, he's one of one. So uh, that was very fun to talk to him. Belief effect, belief effect. And this yeah. is something totally different off topic, Dave, but I was just 
reading about a study that is coming out soon. It's like it's out as pre-publication, and it is about dose-dependent responses to nicotine. Hmm. They give people nicotine, and they tell them how much they're giving them, and then they did functional MRI, and they gave everyone the same amount, but the amount the brain lit up oh, was completely different based on what they told them. Yeah. So there's no other reason that should be the case. So pretty cool. Belief effect. Powerful stuff. And uh, yeah, for those coaches out there, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. You don't want to give your kids unrealistic expectations. Right. But you do want to instill at least some belief effect. Absolutely. That they can be better. The team can be better. Um, Okay. Well, Dave, I think we're going to wrap it up in just a couple of housekeeping items on our way out. Uh, First of all, thank you again to our sponsors. Second of all, thank you to our friends at Stroke9. Luke Esterkin is a good buddy of both of ours, and he went to Marin Academy. He also played under Mike and Larry Fulton, and Stroke9 has graciously allowed us to use uh, a clip from their classic the very Marin catchy. County. Yeah, very catchy tune. Marin, I believe it's called. And that is our intro and our outro, if you're wondering. And finally, disclaimer here, I have a coaching role at Archie Williams, and Dave has a role with NBBA as well as with San Domenico. We have kids that are in schools in the county, but this podcast is purely us speaking about basketball. We don't do it for any other reason. We are not trying to promote any one skills trainer or any one school. We're not trying to recruit or anything like that. This is just two guys talking about basketball and drinking iced coffee and having a good time. Absolutely. Well said, Duffy. So please tune in again and send us your thoughts. I don't, is iTunes still a thing? Are we supposed to like us on iTunes? I think that's not a thing. Anymore, like and subscribe at whatever you get your podcasts. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, yeah, give us, give us comments. Send us emails if you have ideas for guests. We, we want to talk to current high school players. We want to talk to coaches. We want to talk to uh, anybody that's in the Marin basketball ecosystem. So if you have ideas, let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, that was good. Ed Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Pleasure nice. working with you. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK, from Sam Stinson all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. The dentist, Dylan.